Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. It's contained in your bulletins and also is projected overhead. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might anoint let me try that again. So they might anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the, from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. We were looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There, there you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. So ends the first reading of the word of God. Thanks be to God. Before I begin preaching, I'd like to give thanks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says, This is the will of the Lord to give thanks in all circumstances. I'm thankful that I have a couple extra eggs. I didn't bring enough for everyone, obviously, but if any of you guys would like the extra candy, you can uh, come and get some. I'm also thankful that uh, I, we, my wife and I got the uh, vaccine um, yesterday. We're going to have thankful that he is risen. We generally respond, he is risen indeed. So he is risen. He, he is, is risen, risen indeed. That's right. And now the second lesson comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 27. Listen for the word of God to you. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. The man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put, you, put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can't do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is impossible for those who believe. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that the man said he is dead. 
but he took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your spirit today. We give you thanks that you help us even in our unbelief and even in our fear. Would you cast out fear and bring in your perfect love into this sanctuary today? Lord, any words that I say that are not of your will, I ask that they fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever I say that is of your will, I ask that it bad and hard to bear good fruit unto the kingdom of God. Lord, let us not hinder your word, but feed your sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. So does anyone uh, remember Choose Your Own Adventure books? Yeah, I am some, some, some fans of Choose Your Own Adventure books. If you're not familiar with them, you basically... Um, you basically come to a page where you have to choose what the main character is going to do. And then if you make one choice, you go to one page. If you make another choice, you go to another page. Well, I found the 21 Weirdest Choose Your Own Adventure novels online, and the first, I picked out three of my favorite. The first is You Are a Shark. I know this comes as a surprise, but in the book, in the book You Are a Shark. Have fun with that. There's not much more to it. The next is The Trumpet of Terror. Sure, this is a pretty fun, fun, fun romp through Viking, the Viking Ages, but we can't get over the fact that the magical artifact you wield is actually an instrument called the Trumpet of Terror. And my favorite is The Worst Day of Your Life, to quote the sermon, after destroying, after destroying your neighbor's roof with bottle rockets, a classic 90s prank, you're first to spend, forced to spend the summer working on your uncle's pig farm. The, bu the bus to the farm breaks down, officially beginning the worst day of your life. The goal, of course, is to make it safely to your uncle's farm, but it's hard to get excited when your prize is spending the, the summer shoveling pig poop. The cover, by the way, is a raging bull breaking into a house, scattering all the fine china as the bull boy chases a terrified boy boy, bull chasing a terrified boy up a flight of stairs. That does sound like the worst day ever. Was, when I was thinking of our text today from the Gospel of Mark, it reminded me of a choose-your-own-adventure story. The women are coming to the tomb, and this is important because in the, um, in the Bible's days, women were not considered to be eyewitnesses in court. So this is an authentic account because it's not him making up anything. It would actually be detrimental for him in his day, even though it wasn't right, to have women as witnesses. To have women as witnesses shows that he's recording what actually happened. And what actually happened, according to Mark, is they initially they ran away in fear. Mark ends his gospel by saying they ran away in fear and they were afraid. Now scholars think there are basically two um, explanations as to why this happened. One, the original ending was lost. Or two, Mark is asking us to choose our own adventure. He's asking us to say, are we going to choose the path of fear and not say the name of Jesus? Are we going to choose the path of fear and not say that he is risen? Are we going to say that he is risen and choose the path of love? Are we going to choose 
love over fear. And the good news today is this, when we choose love over fear, the power of the resurrection shall flow through us. To understand this, we have to understand two things. One, love is a force, and two, fear refuses to be named. First, love is a force. The power of the Holy Spirit is a real thing that raised Jesus from the dead, and I've seen his power in my own ministry. In my last church, I was preaching a sermon on hospitality, and I got a sense that if I preached this sermon, someone would be healed. And indeed, that day I came up and, and I preached that sermon, and I had a woman come up to me who had chronic back pain and chronic uh, high blood pressure. And me and a friend laid my, our hands on that woman, and I felt the power of the Spirit come out of my hand and into her body. And she described it as having an outer body experience, being with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And afterwards, she was completely healed. It was one of the most amazing miracles I've ever seen in my life. And the next, the next Sunday, she came up and gave her testimony. And her bosses even came to see because they had measured her blood pressure and see, saw that she had stroke level blood pressure. And in a moment like that, she was healed. And that's because I chose the power of love over the power of fear, even though I felt it was unusual to preach the sermon I was preaching. I felt that God was calling me to preach that if we're hospitable to people who are different than us and the hard teaching, someone, then the healing presence of God will be in our midst. And uh, God reinforced that by healing this woman of her diseases. But also, we have to recognize that fear refuses to be named. Love is a force, but sometimes fear refuses to be named. Often, when we are afraid of things, we don't want to say what those things are. Dan White, in his book, Love Over Fear, says this, What blocks most from addressing the fear in their lives? We don't think of ourselves as afraid. The, that word fear seems to blend us unless we're talking about the fear of snakes, spiders, or heights. When fear is not attached to a concrete external object, it's hard to identify. This is the nature of fear, to stay elusive, unable to be dealt with directly. White goes on to say in his counseling session, he was counseling a young husband dealing with fear. It reminds me of a conversation I had with a young husband who came to me for some counseling. His wife had asked him, to meet with me because he was always on edge and barking out orders at his family. In our first session, I, I picked up the words control and concern. These are typical code words for fear. So I asked him, what do you fear? He shot back an ironic response, fear. Fear is not an issue for me. I'm just afraid my family won't turn out the way it should. In reflection on this, White says this, I've never viewed myself as a fear-based person either, but I've come to understand how fear is determined to put on disguises. It can be quite successful at masking and its presence in our life. We can be pretty proficient at telling ourselves that fear has no part in, it in our story, but we are mistaken. Fear wants to dress itself up, posing itself as concern, so it has the power to place wedges between us and others. At least the women at the tomb were honest with what they were afraid of. They were afraid of the power of God. But in our lives, are we honest with what we are afraid of? 
as I was thinking about this idea of being honest about we, what we are afraid of, I was reminded of the, the demon-possessed boy and his father in the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus says to this man who's struggling to help his son, anything is possible with those who believe. And the man replies, I, I, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And in my own fears sometimes, I, I feel that way. I feel that God needs to help us in our unbelief. He needs to help us to believe in the power of the resurrection. That woman who was healed said this to me. She quoted Romans verse eight, chapter 8, verse 11, where it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. The choice between love and fear is hard sometimes. It's hard for me. I deal with a lot of anxiety. But we have to believe this Resurrection Sunday that that same, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can live in us and help us in our fears. That perfect love truly can cast out fear. If we're not only choosing our own adventure, but if we're giving our lives to God, he will lead us in a great, great adventure of his love casting out our fear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith by singing the hymn, Let Us Break Bread Together.